tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. All right, John, we're back for another week's another week of the Geeks Watch and uh we had to take a week off because I think my mind just exploded after watching the season uh Westworld. Uh so what what about yourself? What did you think of the episode? I say that's how you do a good uh season finale. Yeah. That was damn good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, um definitely up there with uh you know the the Game of Thrones that came before it, so <laughs> uh, I, I was happy. Yeah, although I don't think we got our Ned Stark moment like we were theorizing. It was more like a, a slow burn that just led to like a really crazy what the fuck finale. Well, okay, so d- we're definitely going to go get go ahead and get right into the episode because I think there's a lot to talk about, and uh, we're going to skip over news this week, but. I don't know. I think with and since like just like we normally do, just jumping around. I think with the death of Doctor Ford, I think that is pretty close to a Ned Stark, the death of Ned Stark moment. Yeah, but is it really though? I mean, <laughs> we kind of saw that coming. I mean, from like an outside perspective, I kind of figured that Anthony Hopkins was only signed on for one season, so I kind of expected this to to be the outcome. See, now, um, I was thinking about this right now, and I don't know if if he's really dead. Because, I mean, this show is all about people dying and coming back. What if that was a, that was a robot that got shot? Actually, I would imagine, yeah, either that, that or his consciousness into the uh, host's body or something like that. That's kind of more where I was kind of leaning towards, because I think ultimately that's where we're headed. It's about uh, transhumanism and the preservation of the mind and a body that can be forever healed and all that. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can totally get behind that too, and I think... I don't know, we've hinted at in this podcast a lot. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that's great that my computer just did a restart sound. All right. Uh <laughs> We've hinted a lot. We've hinted at it a lot in this podcast, and I think it's hinted at it a lot in the show, uh, where you see corporate Delos comes down and says, "You know, this the park isn't really what we we're trying to accomplish, or you know, it's it's doing other things that we we want to know about." And I think you've you've hit on it, saying, "You know, uh, it's more of an experiment in human nature, and uh, to see what people do when their inhibitions are taken away." Uh, then we also, uh, uh, I also think that maybe it could be a government experiment into 
you know, getting certain people to live forever because their consciousness has been downloaded into a host body. Yeah, and that's the thing about the show is that at this point, any one of those could be potentially the the correct answer uh, simply because of how it's being revealed to us so slowly, little by little, that uh, it could even be a combination or we could be way off. Like, I kind of feel like, I mean, at this point, it could even be like a Dark City element to it. (sighs) I still believe that we're probably in some kind of space installation or maybe even a different planet. Just given the size of this place, of Westworld, and the fact that this isn't even the only one, as we come to realize. Uh, Which was awesome. Samurai World. (laughs) So yeah, there's so many places we can go with this. At this point, I don't think there's any wrong answer because I think they're... Everything and the kitchen sink could be thrown at this right now. I think that is, is where we left off. Yeah, I think that was one of the great things that happened in this uh, season finale was that we did get a lot of answers, but we didn't get all the answers. And a lot of things are still open to interpretation and open to uh, further seasons, which is one of the biggest fears that I had coming up to the end of the season. I, was, I really thought, you know, where are they going to go in the next season? And the more I think about what I saw in the season finale... It's like, oh, well, there's definitely a lot that still needs to be said or or explored. And there's going to be a lot of openings in the Delos Board of Supervisors, I think. <laughs> so uh, speaking of um, an idea of where Westworld is or Samurai World or whatever you want to call it at this point, uh, up at, at one point during Maeve's Bloody Massacre, uh, you get to see things through a surveillance camera screen and... A date popped up. Did you happen to catch the date in the corner? I think it was like 2057, something like that. Well, uh, 52, but close enough. 52. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, I think that's interesting. I mean, once again, you know, I think some of the best sci-fi stories don't put themselves in the far future, but more in the near future. So I would still consider 2052 near future. Yeah, so 2052, if we work backwards, that means that the uh, Arnold thing would have happened, like, a couple years ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, some, yeah, somewhere around now. <laughs> somewhere somewhere, somewhere around now or before. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's... Uh... Leaves it definitely open for... So that definitely can't be some kind of outer space thing, then, unless this is an alternate reality now we're talking about. Yeah, or, I would uh, have to assume maybe, that it's some type of alternate reality. What is that? Yeah. I was say, or maybe they're just that far into the future, it's just, like, completely looped around, and they started <laughs> keeping, like, track again. We had the, the giant apocalypse, and then there was another 2052, or 2052 years after that kind of thing basically yeah it's just it's like the whole uh battlestar galactica thing things just repeat you know what it also happens in um solar babies do you remember that movie oh yeah 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 if you um, if you try and there like... was a really cool podcast about that recent well not recently but on the how did this get made another fine podcast if anybody's a fan of movies that are so bad they're good <laughs> i and, love that uh, podcast i listen to that podcast every week so uh, yeah, I'm yeah. glad that I'm glad that you brought it up because they in that podcast they even talk about like they try and figure out the whole timeline of things because it says the beginning crawl says something about 
you know, so many years into the future. And then it says, well, then when it starts off, there's like 36 years ago, this happened. And then it's like, wait a second. So where, <laughs> where are we at in time? It's very uh, convoluted. Yeah, just a clean slate. It's like, all right, well, this is your zero down. We'll <laughs> take it from here. So the the name of this episode, and I believe I'm saying it right, is the bicameral mind. Cam bicameral. I think it's bicameral. Bicameral. Okay, fair enough. Uh, have you gone through and looked up what that means in psychological terms? Uh, something like, uh, uh, what was that word? Uh, it, uh, it reminded me of the, the same term that they use in 12 monkeys where that one crazy guy was saying how he had like a, a disjointed brain that exists in two places at the same time or something like that. But I can't remember what that term was now. Yeah. Mentally divergent or something like that. Yeah, I think it's similar to that. It says the, uh, what I pulled up here says the term was coined by Julian James. Uh, who presented the idea in his 1976 book, The Origin of Consciousness. Uh, Bicameralism is a hypothesis in psychology that argues that the human mind once assumed a state in which cognitive functions were divided between one part of the brain, uh, which appears to be speaking, and a second part, which listens and obeys. So... Uh, with the idea that you know once one part one half of your brain does the speaking one half of your brain does the listening uh, I think there's a definite correlation to Dolores in this episode because we come to find out that when she goes below the church and she believes that she's talking to Arnold uh, it's revealed that she's really just talking to the other side of her brain the other side of her brain which I mean seeing as how it's pro it was programmed by Arnold could definitely still be Arnold, but it's, it's more herself. If you believe in the whole, uh, consciousness awakening, uh, part of the storyline. And I mean, that's, I think that's where we, where, you know, most of this episode is, is, is really debatable about. Well, that would explain why throughout the season she keeps having these weird little flashes where she sees herself uh, or she even talks to herself a couple of times, most notably when she goes to see the gypsy in uh, Pariah. That's true. And, uh, yeah, the, the <laughs> I, it, I didn't realize it till later. It's like the way that they're sitting kind of looks also the same way as when Arnold is talking to her in her flashbacks. That except is... it's just a different setting. Oh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, that's true. Yeah, basically, Arnold uh, in, I guess, using a projection of Arnold, she's telling herself that um, the seed of consciousness is within her. She just needs to find it. And that's what the whole maze thing was all about. It was about a journey to your own center uh, of the mind, I suppose, would be a way to put it. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, let's go ahead and talk about the maze and the the whole idea that we'd seen throughout the whole season. Now, I guess you could say that there was a literal maze to find. It was Arnold's son's toy that was buried at Dolores' grave in the new, the new little town. But uh, as uh, Ford reiterated to now that we know is William, but we can still refer to him as the man in black if you want. Uh, 
it, the the as everybody else, every other host told him the maze wasn't for him. And uh, I think, as we pointed out earlier in podcast, that it's it's um or at least we saw in the flashbacks, Arnold referred to it as a maze because he got the idea from the toy and that consciousness wasn't something that they could just have they had to build it they had to find it they had to search it out before they could have it the host that is yeah ford uh the little flashback that she had ford was explaining um his like theory of consciousness uh, and he, he did it by drawing a little pyramid it looked like on a on a sheet of paper and he said so you start with memory um, you know, that's like the foundation. Then you move up to uh, improvisation. And uh, there was a third level. And he realized that it wasn't a straight line. It was kind of a, a loop thing. So he drew circles around the pyramid, which looked kind of like a rudimentary version of the of the maze. So in a way, it was also like a symbolic pictograph of the whole process they have to go through to find your consciousness. But this was pointed out by a Redditor. Um, if you look on one of the earlier episodes, I think it might have been episode four, you're inside Ford's office. And I believe he mentions that in uh, the, the very highest level is actually suffering. It is suffering that joins all the different sections of the pyramid together. It's how the it links the, the memory to the improvisation to whatever the other one was, which I can't remember off the top of my head now. Um, but that is the key to to uh, to unlocking the consciousness that was being uh, that was forming within the hosts. Well, I mean that's uh, pretty dark to think that you need to have suffering to <laughs> have consciousness. But I mean, we've seen that in other stories where you know, uh, light for light to exist, there needs to be darkness for good to exist there needs to be evil right so for you to be able to to be alive you have to have suffered uh which i mean is 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 dark i think but also pertinent yeah there was a lot of really cool kind of bordering on heavies uh philosophical ideas here my particular favorite was the one with uh the mentioning of michelangelo's uh dawn of man i believe is what it's called yes or and, creation uh, of man, the creation of man, yes, and how they, how Ford was, um, you know, revealing to Dolores something that I remember seeing a while ago that the depiction of God and the angels were actually in the shape of a brain, uh, right down to even some of the parts of the brain. You can kind of point out the hypothalamus and pituitary and all that stuff. The uh, uh, different glands and stuff are are kind of in there if you know how to look at it i guess correctly so you squint at it maybe you know and it's funny is that i've i've seen that depiction many times uh in my past but i've never recognized that there was a that it was kind of in the shape of a brain or or the shape of a brain uh and and then when he pointed it out i was like hey that's that's pretty interesting so I'm glad to know that before this episode you had that same thought and that this theory has been around for a while. Oh, yeah. It was totally brought up to be my attention on somewhere, probably Reddit. I think uh, it was most definitely not an original thought that I had. Um, but I, I enjoyed that notion just the same. That was like some real Da Vinci Code stuff right there. <laughs> 
the Michelangelo code, huh? <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was just like doing autopsies on people and no one knew about it. Actually, yeah, you're probably not that far off from the truth. I think they were doing a lot of the uh, illegal surgeries to learn more about the body and the mind. And uh, um, that's actually kind of a the uh, the line between ethics and progressing science would definitely apply here to uh, to Westworld with uh, what they're doing, whether it's ethical or not. Given the fact that you know these the hosts are just basically one step away from being completely human, only that they're created artificially instead of being born. But for all intents and purposes, they could be our equals, if not our superiors. And I think that's definitely one of the points they get across. Well, that's good. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things I wanted to talk about with uh, specifically Dr. Ford. So, you know, Anthony Hopkins' character is very much portrayed throughout this whole first season as being the antagonist, you know, or at least one of the antagonists, uh, wanting to keep the host down and not believing and stuff like that. But we come to find out that he is a true believer. He, he believed, he believes in all of it. He believes that the robots or the hosts are having consciousness or at least coming close to it. But he just didn't come to that conclusion as fast as Arnold. And, uh, the idea was that he be- he believed that they needed more time. They they needed more time to to eventually come to their consciousness. Yes. Now you have like Dolores, who we find out, and you you called this one earlier, but uh, we find out that they did merge her with a, an earlier concept of a character named Wyatt, or at least Arnold did when he wanted her to uh, kill off all the. Ho- the original host in that massacre that we've seen flashbacks of that she used Teddy. But, um, the, you know, the idea was that af- even after Arnold was killed, you know, that was still, you know, planned by Arnold. He had Dolores kill her. So it wasn't her decision yet. And I think in a mirroring effect, Ford had Dolores kill Ford as well. But she believes it was her own idea. Right. Yeah, and that's something that we keep seeing throughout this episode is uh, even when they think they're acting of their own free will, they realize it's still part of some kind of larger narrative that they're still obeying, um, particularly for Maeve. Right. Who, um, you know, thinks she wants to be free, but then after they resurrect um, Bernard points out you're still just following the script look and shows her the you know the the emotional chart or whatever you call that thing that they use the the behavioral tablet and uh, there was some interesting notes on there where i don't think he got to say it out loud but the next step was to infiltrate the mainland which makes it sound like they're either on an island or off world somewhere which is why i still kind of hang on to the idea they're on a satellite or something i I mean yeah I, i believe so at this point, I mean, yeah, wouldn't be that far fetched. Um, well, okay, so with Maeve, when he's when he Bernard is uh, telling her about the fact that she's still just following the script, doesn't he read ahead and he says something about see this is you getting onto the train and this is you getting off of the train and 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 stuff like that? Yeah, and 
for whatever stupid reason, she decides to break the tablet so we don't find out what the rest of it was. <laughs> oh, because I think that goes back to the idea that Ford said to Bernard about how you don't see, they don't see the things that they don't want to see or whatever, you know, anything that would hurt them. So she couldn't literally not see it because he was holding it, but she just destroyed it. Yeah, convenient plot device. But, to, okay, so... He tell doesn't he say in that in that instance that she's gonna get on the train but then get right back off, which she ends up doing is getting off. Well, no, um, at least I didn't catch that. It sounded to me like it's it's he was basically just telling her exactly what was gonna happen next, in much the same way that she was telling uh, Hector and uh, you know what was gonna happen in his storyline. Right. Like this is what's written for you, uh, except that. Uh, as far as we, as I heard him say, is that he was going to get on the train, and then it, it, because of you know thanks to the guys that freeze frame these uh, images, these stills on Reddit, the next step was infiltrate mainland, but then you couldn't see anything that came out after that. Oh. It was a real quick flash. Um, I wouldn't have caught it just by watching it, even on repeat viewings. I think it's one of those you just kind of really have to freeze frame. Uh, but yeah, the. Uh, it did say something about infiltrate mainland, which okay. the wording of that I think is really interesting. It's like, well, what's she going to do when she infiltrates? You know, like, is she going to then like run for public office, become a member of the government, and then you know do something from within? Like, I'm. That's just like, well, what comes after that? I don't. I would. I would have to assume Delos would have something to say about that and be like, well, I, I'm pretty sure that's one of our robots. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, you never know. You know, she could infiltrate Delos, become the new head of the head of the board, or something like that. See, okay, so that I guess that's where I was confused because I thought when she gets off of the train to go find her daughter, quote unquote, uh, I had thought she was still following the script because I thought that's what Bernard had said. But if you're saying that it wasn't in her, in her script to get off the train, and I misinterpreted that, then she did go off a of script, which is more is a lot more interesting. So. I'm interested in, in finding out more about that uh, because that, I mean, I guess that would that would put her as the one that's the closest to consciousness than Dolores, in my opinion. Yeah, because she, she finally, even after she fully realized that the kid wasn't really her kid, you know, um, she still wanted to know where the kid was. Um. I feel like I'm being kind of flippant about it, you know, the the daughter, I guess, the yeah. the character. Right. Um, he, she she felt a strong attachment to her. Then she was like, "No, she's not really my daughter." And then Felix was like, "Well, I mean, here's the information you asked for anyway," and it was the location of the the host that played her daughter. And she was like, "All right, well, I'll take this anyway." And while she's on the train, you know, she sees a mother daughter. A couple of newcomers just kind of interacting as they would, and that stirs up something in her apparently. And she decides to get off the train um, right when things were starting to hit the fan. But it definitely seemed like she went against Stephen that uh, programming because, like I said, based on the freeze frame, she was supposed to leave on the train. Which brings me up to another thing. Uh, Sylvester earlier in the season says that 
you know, hosts aren't allowed to leave. Not just because it's a rule, but because they physically can't. And we kind of see that with, uh, we see that with Hector, because she says, this is where your story stops. You know, I didn't give you the permission to leave and stuff like that. But I thought I was under the impression that literally they were going to, like, blow up or something if they left the premises. Like, as soon as they step foot off of, uh, you know, outside of the boundary. Yeah, so I guess basically the scene with Sylvester, where he's messing around with the skeleton of a host, um, somehow that has something to do with him and Felix having removed the explosive device from their spines. Um, Oh. Now, I'm not exactly sure because it wasn't... Maybe I just didn't really pay attention correctly, but the way that uh, Maeve and Hector died I mean they, they died in the fire so I don't know how extensive the rebuilding process is for something like that if they have to just build them a new host body and they just upload their previous consciousness into that so what could have been going on there is it was basically they were demonstrating that Sylvester was taking out the, the, the spine uh, what do you call the, the links in the spine? The, uh, the vertebrae? The vertebrae, yes, thank you. Man, total brain fart right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it, sh- showing him remove the one vertebrae and replacing it with another, which I assume was like without the explosive charge. Mm. I think that was the skeleton of either Mabe or Hector as they were being rebuilt. Interesting. Well, I mean, and you wouldn't have probably... to. You, he wouldn't have to do it for Hector because Hector, he she wouldn't have give, she wasn't going to give Hector the permission to leave anyways. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they weren't intended to to get out of there. They were just going to help her escape. Which, Which I also was... have to say, uh, a clean Artemis, or yeah, Art Art would it Art Artemis or Armist- Armistice Armistice. Thank you. I'm gonna be a real man, right? Like a, a real guy right now, and be like, God damn, she was hot. <laughs> yeah, I, I found her. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I was all there with you right there, man. It's like, hmm, she cleans up good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which I also found it funny that, you know, even though, she, I mean, I guess they, they, the intention was for her to to go right back into the park. That's why they recreated the, the tattoo. But, uh, you know, the tattoo being recreated for her, even though she wasn't, she didn't end up going. I don't know. I might, the train of thought lost me right there. But uh, I also want to talk about that healing gun, basically, uh, that, the, that they have. So... We saw, I mean, we've seen it before, like being used on the host, and then we saw it used on Sylvester when uh, Maeve cut his throat, which apparently saved him. And then we see it used on Bernard. So Bernard put a gun to his head and shot, you know, which to me, that healing ray thing that they have would, I mean, cauterizes the skin somehow or something, but how does that fix the insides? Well,. From what uh, I was reading an analysis of the scene, uh, because that also came to mind too, is like how could they patch him up right there and not have to take him into like the basically the butcher shop? Um, it looked they they briefly say oh the bullet scratched his temporal cortex or something. I guess the damage wasn't bad enough. All they had to do was patch him up and kind of give him some more blood. Uh, from what I was reading the description of in Reddit. They're saying, look at the angle of the gun, how he's holding it. Um, it didn't go through his frontal lobe. It actually just kind of grazed it. And uh, so the, the damage wasn't as severe 
as uh, we were led to believe in episode nine, apparently. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I get. I mean, that's what ma- would make sense. Uh, because yeah, otherwise it just seemed like that the bullet would have gone through and just tore through whatever machinery was inside of his brain or brain equivalent. But yeah, I guess it could have just bounced off inside and just caused superficial, a lot of superficial damage. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just a scratch as the Black Knight would say. (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, was that racist? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, when Ford sees him again, uh, which I believe is at the party, do you think that he knew that he was going to show up there? Well, if he didn't, he definitely hid his surprise because to him it was like, oh, there you are. <laughs> you know, just, just carrying on like business as normal. So that I think with that idea or with that being said, it just it to me it just seems more of the same. It seems more of this is for he had this is his giant narrative. The narr- the new narrative that he's been working on. Uh, for some reason, he had to dig up the old city, the city covered in sand, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, mm-hmm. be- basically, because it helps build the reveries or the memories for hosts like Dolores, uh, so that they can believe that they've reached consciousness. But that's all part of the narrative that he's creating, so that they can. That, so that there can be a bigger, a bigger scare, I guess, for newcomers like like William or the Man in Black. You know, throughout the whole episode or the whole season, he's just basically he he says that he just wants he wants there to be a a game in Westworld where he can actually get hurt, he can actually die, because uh, otherwise it's not it's not really any fun anymore. It doesn't have any uh, stakes. You know, nothing nothing's real. So if everybody believes that it's real, which, it, I mean, it very much can be now uh, because we do see people get shot inside the party. It's, it's, still, it's still a game, but it's, it is more real. I don't, know, I, I don't know if I'm making what I'm trying to say clear, but it, what I'm saying is Ford has constructed this whole thing. Yeah, like right down to possibly even having Arn or Bernard almost kill himself but not really like ultimately that was still part of his grand like puppet mastery scheme that he was doing right and um yeah they i think the the reason why he uncovered the town after so many years is because it is part of the uh, transition of the the host regaining consciousness so that's why that's part of the reason why he had it uncovered and you know now is the time to uncover it because now is when it needs to be unleashed. Um, but let's go back a little bit and kind of cover the uh, the timeline of this exactly how it happened. So going back to where the episode begins chronologically, we have Dolores shaving the man in black for some reason. Right. Uh, the previous episode ended with Dolores coming back out from the, the bottom of the church hearing a knock on the door, thinking it's William, and then you see it's the man in black. Right. And that's just where that ends. So we begin this episode with Dolores shaving him. 
which is just really weird. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of really deep, like, symbolism there, but I couldn't figure out what it meant. I was just like, that's a strange way. To, how did they get to this point? I, I, that, okay, that's where I had to, I, I'd have to be like, yeah, I mean, because I kind of understand it. It's the idea, I mean, as, as a storyteller is that, you know, she, even though she's worked all this way to become a, her own person, he still shows up and makes her subservient. But how did that conversation happen? <laughs> like in between episodes where she's on the floor of the church and he's like, okay, uh, let's go ahead and just have you shave me now. And she's like, oh, sure, why not? You know. <laughs> Maybe he was testing her of like, hey, put this razor sharp piece of metal next to my throat and uh, let's see what happens. You know, <laughs> let's shake things up a bit. Uh, yeah, no, totally. But I mean, as she's there, is when she starts to have more memories and ideas and of what's what she should be doing, right? Yeah, and it seems like at this point she still doesn't realize that he's William. Um, she still has to kind of go through the the uh, the digging up of the of her old grave, like that. That's when, like you're saying, the memories start coming back. She starts seeing little flashes, and um, yeah, so she realizes, oh, this is my grave. There's something in here. Pulls out the little tin can, and there's a the little toy of the maze in there to which the man in black gets really pissed off because he was like that's it like this is what we did all this for after all this time and uh dolores gets you know starts to get a little bit upset and says well i mean like says something like i believe in love and there was this one man named william and he said uh oh yeah let me tell you about your boy william and that's where we start catching up finally with what happened after William went nuts and killed all the confederados? So before you get to that, though, I thought it was interesting when uh, she is sitting there, I mean, kind of begging for her life, if that's how you want to call it. But uh, she is telling the man in black, hey, you know, there's a man that I love. He's coming. He's going to kill you. He's going to take care of you. And, you know, the whole time the man in black is thinking of this is like, oh, you're talking about Teddy. Well, I don't really give a fuck about Teddy because Teddy can't kill me. But eventually she says the name William and you see the change in Ed Harris's face, which is I think is awesome because he's like, wait, what? You know, because that was the whole point. Like he I mean, as we see in the flashbacks, as you're about you were about to describe when he saw her go back to the way that she was before he met her, he gave up on that world. He 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 just started. He realized that it, she was just a machine. She what? None of the feelings that she had was real. But now that she is saying it to him because she's had these memories, uh, and she can't tell the difference between between time, he has to sit there. I mean, you, you have to wonder what the thoughts are going through his mind at that point. He does go on to tell her the story of William, but it's it's. I mean, she did remember him, so that's interesting. Yeah, I really like that scene, too. It just made me think, like, in his mind, he must have been like, aw, she remembers me. <laughs> like that, uh... Yeah, but that was really heart-wrenching, too. I remember, um... <laughs> uh, as he goes through his quest to find Dolores in the past as William, with the help of... Well, not really with the help of Logan, but with Logan in tow, um... 
yeah, he that's when he truly becomes like you start seeing the glimpses of the man in black that he would later turn into. He just becomes ruthless. He just slaughters the every host he comes across if they can't help him, you know, or if they get in his way. And sure enough, you start seeing him like dressing differently to the point where I think he picks up a black hat and just starts walking around with that instead. Yeah, it's a, so it's he, a host that he kills. He, he picks up their black hat and yeah. just starts wearing it, which, uh, you know, is also interesting because we eventually see him. He's going towards he, he says, uh, this is it. I've, we've made it to the edge. And I got you got to wonder how long that takes. <laughs> I mean, for this whole transformation and and everything, you know, to get to the edge, you know, uh, of of the whole park, it's got to take a while, right? I would assume so, yeah. I mean, it definitely seemed like it was a progression. And um, it's not really clear what happened to Dolores, except that they say that uh, they hint at that she was probably raped by the soldiers, and killed or left for dead, which later turns out to be true because when when William finally gets back into town, you see that Dolores is already back on her loop at the beginning where she goes to the general store and drops a can of beans or whatever it is and starts the same uh, adventure with, with now another newcomer, which um, the look on William's face of like, wow, like... I just went through this incredible life-changing adventure with this uh, beautiful blonde woman and now she has absolutely no idea who I am and she's repeating it with someone else and man if I had a dollar for every time that's happened to me I'd have a dollar. <laughs> so uh, now I think this is interesting because as these hosts are going through uh, the maze as it were, to find their consciousness, find out who they were, who they are, so to speak. Is I mean, isn't that technically what William is doing? He's he's going on this adventure, and that's what Westworld was supposed to is supposed to do, you know, to show you who you really are. And he does. He comes out the other end as a different person. Yeah, and it, it, part of it also kind of reminded me, in a weird way, of like Total Recall, oh. where. Uh... <laughs> yeah where like they tell you up front this is what you're going to have you're going to have like this crazy uh, narrative unfold before you and it's going to show you your true self and ooh blue skies at, on Mars yeah exactly <laughs> it's like you're going to be the secret agent and everybody's going to try to kill you and you're going to save the world at the end and and as you're going through it you don't realize you're still following exactly that Right, you know, like I imagine when he comes out of it, they have like all these souvenirs already pre-made of like T-shirts with him and Dolores's face on them, and uh, you know, like oh, <laughs> all these moments that he would have imagined were like unique to his experience. Were like, no, no, that was part of the package that you paid for. You got the the the, the C plan with this happening and this <laughs> level of. You know, whatever. And of course, they show you the monitor where you ha they have the picture of you that, which is just like when you come down Splash Mountain, and you can either buy yeah. the picture or a lot of people take the cell phone picture of the monitor. Exactly. Yeah. So you could be like, "This is you when you killed all those Confederados." <laughs> Get that on a coffee mug. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so you no. Know, so I mean, which 
you know, brings up a lot of the a lot of what uh, we saw with William in the previous episode. Where I mean, I'm talking about uh, old William, so Ed Harris's character, where he's explaining, uh, you know, my my wife and daughter really felt like I wasn't the real person. I wasn't a real person when I was with them, or and I, even though I never hit hit them or hurt them or even yelled at them, I I, I still had a, this darkness inside of me, and it it, it kind of shows that you know his darkness only came out at Westworld because that's who he really was. I'm also kind of of the opinion that Logan probably told them one day, like, dude, he is a fucking psycho. <laughs> Which I I, I, I did mean, find that pretty interesting that Logan didn't die. Like, we never see him get killed in the in the show, so. Yeah, he went back to the real world with William, and you know William sl- either slowly or very abruptly because we don't get that story of taking over the country or the company from him. Yeah, there's a theory that uh, when Logan came back, he was spouting all these stories about how William went completely nuts, and um, because William was probably just really good at going back to normal, you know, in the real world, right. Everybody was like, "What's wrong with you, man?" Is like he's cool. Like, what's with your jealousy all of a sudden? <laughs> Basically, made made Logan look like the crazy guy for spouting all this, you know, all these ridiculous stories about what happened at Westworld. That he just lost credibility overall over time. It sounds like a, a sociopath, like Dexter. <laughs> yeah, just able to like, turn it off. This guy's just good at playing normal, apparently. <laughs> So yeah, which was, I I you know with the whole William, old man or old man William, <laughs> man in black William, you know at the party he 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 dresses up in a, a tuxedo and he's nursing his broken arm which <laughs> was, I I don't know it it looked like it was pretty bad when it got broken but he's just kind of walking around with it, not even in a sling or anything, uh but he's he's drinking the whiskey to try and take the edge off. He and that's when he's out in the middle of the field, and uh, you know Ford had told him earlier that you're gonna like our new narrative. And so, do you think that was all the 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 hosts that were already in the park, or is that all the hosts that were in the deep storage that we saw because the storage unit was was emptied that come up out of yeah, the woods? I'm pretty sure those were all the the hosts from deep storage because the one that shoots uh, the man in black. Um, was Clementine? Oh, that's right. I forgot about. So that. I would imagine. I would imagine. Yeah, that that's who those guys were. Um. And uh, yeah, sure enough. Yeah, you have. Um, well, we're we're going a little bit ahead. I did want to cover. Sorry. That as um as Dolores is you know showing signs of her old self coming back the 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 more meek weak version of herself. Um. You know, she's crying, uh, and the man in black gets a little frustrated. She's like, this again? After all that, you're still just, the, you know, basically like a little weak person? And she says, no, like, I'm not crying for me. It's like, I'm crying for you because your time is done. Like, you guys are, are like fossils now. We're going to be the ones to take over. And it's, all of a sudden, she becomes, like, super strong starts beating the crap out of him, dragging him through the church and just telling him what's what. And he starts to get a little excited in a weird kind of way <laughs> because uh, 
I think he's starting to think like, oh, this is getting good. This is what I wanted. I pushed you into something real. You're now operating outside of your limitations. But then he gets, goes right back to being frustrated because she ultimately can't shoot him or just doesn't want to shoot him. It's not clear that she can't, but she at least makes the choice not to. Um, at which point, I think he's going to kill her. And that's when Teddy comes around and saves the day. For the first time, he's able to uh, hurt Not him. really. Yeah, like, didn't hurt him too bad, but definitely incapacitated him. And the first time Teddy shot him in the, in the show, you see that the the bullets just kind of bounce off of him. This time, they actually knock him down. Yeah. Now, do you so. think that's because this town is further away from Sweetwater? Or is it Stillwater? Uh, well, it's definitely further away. So, yeah, I think that has some sense. Get shot. I think it's in Sweetwater. Okay. And he also says, I thought we couldn't get out because he also, like, falls back and has, like, a welt on his chest where the bullet hit. And that's how Logan explains, that's where Logan explains, rather, that, um, you know, as I said, you can't be killed. I didn't say you couldn't get shot or couldn't get hurt. Right, because, so, and then as they explain, that the further away you get from Sweetwater, the, you know, the more the danger is real or, you know, the more you can get hurt. The uh, more real, yeah. So, yeah, that, once again, you know, that's... That's that, and it it makes me come back. It, it the show makes me constantly come back to the whole breaking Hector out of jail with the explosives. Like when they show us the fact that they have to sign off on an explosion happening, everything's. I mean, it just makes me think more of everything is still is still under their control. But I don't know. <laughs> well, in light of the fact that we at the time we didn't know that the man in black was on the board of supervisors. It actually now makes more sense that he was probably just getting special permission because of his role or his position in the company. Like this is not something that would be approved for the everyday user or newcomer. I think it was more like, Hey, so somebody here wants to set off this explosion. They take a quick look at who it is and they're like, okay, approve it. You know? This guy's got like admin privileges. <laughs> he can mod the game any way he wants. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I I find that interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, going back to the the whole thing of Dolores almost shooting or killing uh, the Man in Black, and the Man in Black getting disappointed that she doesn't. Uh, he then stabs her in the gut. Right, which is you know something we see often in this show, and but this time she's we see her inner workings, right? Not this time. Uh, we see her. Well, during one of the flashbacks, we see uh, Arnold building Dolores. I guess like bringing her online for the first time, uh-huh. and it's it's a very uh, ex machina moment where she's got like her human head and part of like her her neck and collar area, but the rest is all like the the mechanical ex- endoskeleton, I guess. Right, before they started using and, the 3D printer versions. Yeah, and it looked really, like, cool and kind of neat. It reminded me a little bit of the unskinned C-3PO from Episode 1. Oh, yeah. 
uh, yeah, but it also had like really strong like Ex Machina vibe to it, which I thought was cool. That was a cool movie. If anybody hasn't seen it, really good acting by Oscar Isaacs and uh, no, uh, the ginger guy. No, no, I'm gonna say that it's really good acting by uh, Alexandra. No, Vikander. Yeah, uh, Vikander. Yeah, and uh, Donald Gleason. But Oscar Isaacs, come on, he that movie. He's he's not it. He gets too much credit for the, a lot of the things that he does. That's all I have to say. But w- that's a whole other podcast. Well, I'll say this much on this tangent. Um, I thought he was probably one of the worst parts of Sucker Punch. And that movie had a lot of negative stuff going for it already. <laughs> but <laughs> that being said, he's not a bad actor. But you're right. Maybe he just gets too much credit. I mean, there were only three people in that movie. so <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so but uh, going back, yeah, going back. Uh, I so I don't know. Did you still have something you wanted to cover with that? Because I wanted to go on to the part where they, where her and Teddy are, are are going across the beach on the horse. Oh no, yeah, that's where I was headed to. <laughs> so when that part is happening, <laughs> you know, they get down off the horse and they're having this moment. I was like, this is really cheesy for this show. Like this, what is going on here? Like this is a really bad part of the of the show, and then you come to realize that, and I think I realized it like maybe a second, a second and a half before they revealed it. But I was like, oh, this is they're this is part of the narrative. They're just acting this out. Like that's why it's so cheesy. And like, and sure enough, it happens. And I was like, man, that was. I'm glad that was what happened there because that was bad. <laughs> well. I thought exactly the same thing. I'm like, why is this playing out like somebody's watching this? And I was like, oh, they are watching this. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is the conclusion of the the narrative. So where, where do then, you where uh, do you think that it starts off? Because the first thing that she says to him when they're at the graveyard, or not the first thing, but she, the last thing she says to him at the graveyard is, uh, "Take me to where you promised, where the ocean meets the mountains, or something like, or the sea meets the mountains." And you know, that's eventually where they go. Because apparently it's not that far away, <laughs> uh, and then they have this moment, and then she dies, and he's just sitting there, and the the moon is behind his head, kind of thing, and it's very picturesque, and everybody starts from Delo starts clapping, uh, which is what what did he call it? What did Ford call the new narrative? Live by night or something like that? Oh, I can't remember what he called it, but no, yeah, you're right. He had like a really kind of flowery name for it. Yeah, I mean, all it could make, all it made me think was like some really cheesy romance novel that you'd pick up at the supermarket. I thought it was, it reminded me when I first heard it of like a really bad prom theme, like uh, Enchantment <laughs> Under the Stars or something like that. Or... <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, exactly. So I thought it was. Uh, I, I'm glad that that's what happened, and and then the fact that they have them like walking around during the reception party uh was just even more of a funny joke i guess and wasn't yeah so, like... so teddy <laughs> is like showing off his shooting skills and he's sh- he's shooting at uh the one host that went like crazy and drinks all the milk at the beginning of the season right i think that's who that was yeah no was it i thought it was isn't that that guy who's the the voice actor for Gareth Otto or something like that, and he was on The Walking Dead this past season as Simon. 
I couldn't remember if it was the milk guy or the other one that had like the handlebar mustache. Mm. But yeah, it was one of those uh one of those bandit type dudes that he was shooting at. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Then um yeah, it kind of reminded me of like maybe like an after party to a play where you have the cast mingle with the audience. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, you have uh, Lawrence is there and I think he's doing card tricks. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, uh, you're right. Yeah, so, yeah, he's back from having his throat slit. And, um, uh, what was that? Oh, yeah, the <laughs> the main thing that I liked about that ending that was like, so super cheesy is uh, after everybody starts clapping and they're like, wow, that was a great finale to this narrative, you see uh, Charlotte next to Lee, and Lee just has this look on his face like, whatever. And she has this look on her face like, that's how it's done, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think is, is, is going through their minds when all that, when everything starts to go to, go to hell? Or like, you know, when things are happening that they don't think is supposed to be happening? Well, yeah. First, there's a lot of confusion. Um, but, well, we're also getting a little bit more ahead of ourselves right there because first... They have Teddy and Dolores sent to different places. So Dolores is sent to the bottom of the church, and that's where she gets uh, rebuilt or repaired because, you know, she's no longer bleeding, and they bring her back online. And that's where... At the, is that the first time we see Bernard come back? Like, he's just shows up there? Yeah. Yeah, that's where we first see him again. And that's, you know, so, what's his, uh, you know, his speech, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead again, but Ford's speech is very much mimicking Arnold's speech that he had right before he died. And what's the the little phrase that they have at the end there? Violence begets violence or something like that? Violent ends to violent ways, something like that. Yeah, it's uh, Friar Lawrence's speech from Romeo and Juliet. Ah, and uh, actually, it's interesting that that gets brought up again because I was going to point this out. Uh, once again, thanks to uh, a redditor, somebody pointed out on the uh, the uh, piano. Uh, what did you call it? The behavioral tablet. Oh, okay. That phrase: "These violent delights bring violent ends," or however it was phrased, is actually the code word to load the Wyatt narrative. Oh wow! Really? Yep. It shows it really briefly in the tablet, like I said. But if you freeze frame it, you see Dolores's, uh, you know, string of commands and like her behavior patterns. And then it says load narrative Wyatt and uh, uh, initiation or activation, whatever it was. These violent delights bring violent ends. Or I have to look up the exact quote because I can't remember what it was now. But yeah, that's basically what it was. So. So, um, and then I also thought it was interesting is that uh, it, the the fact that you just brought up Romeo and Juliet, you know, uh, Baz Luhrmann in 1996 did his version of Romeo and Juliet, which was which is updated, and it has uh, Radiohead's exit music for a film in it, which is uh, music that is prominently featured in this episode. So, also talk show host, both of those were both in this one, which um, good catch. I I really like that as well. But it, forgot to bring it up earlier so yeah i mean 
uh, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of symbolism being thrown around, I guess, in this episode. <laughs> a lot of homages too. I think true. You know? Yeah, very true. Now, um, yeah. So you have basically uh, Dolores is told to be Wyatt again and reenact or redo what happened in the uh, in the original Westworlds. Uh, pre-opening i guess where she killed arnold and that is basically execute everyone in the town except this time i believe it's her choice now that she's gained consciousness it's no longer what you need to do in order to you know become your own person and i think she chooses to i don't think she's any longer under uh the narrative it's just basically unlocked her see i this is where i think i disagree because I think, especially with what you just told me about the whole, you say the phrase and that unlocks Wyatt. Uh, I think she is still under programming, and I think that this was part of Ford's uh, narrative. Now, if he does, he does want her and the rest of the hosts to become conscious. Uh, this is just a nut, the next way to push that forward because. The next way is for her, her, specifically her, to think that she's become conscious and then deal with him so that he can't manipulate her anymore. And then she will have to go through more steps uh, to eventually reach the, her final stage, I guess. Uh, I, I, it's coming off as the last dragon a lot, but uh, <laughs> she has to, like, the, that would be the next season, would be her going through a lot of the steps over again to finally reach her actual consciousness. Uh, now, if you also believe that he doesn't believe that they can get consciousness, this is just his next, his next narrative. It's his way of, of, uh, making the story so that it seems like everybody can get killed and the danger is real. Or like he was saying in his finale speech, where he was so humbly comparing himself to, like, Mozart and Beethoven. (laughs) He says, they didn't die, they just became music. And in his way, I guess he's saying he's going to become the story of Westworld. And and I want to point out that when we saw Bernard and Therese find that... uh, uh, that one room that has a body being built, and Bernard says it's it's being being built. It's a little bit slower, but it's still being built. You know, we don't know what that body is being used for. So, I think it could be. You know, it, it definitely could be either Ford put a host body there to get killed in his place, or like you said earlier, he was building a body for himself to download his consciousness into, so that he can still exist later on. Yeah, and that that is one of my theories is that part of the whole theme of Westworld is transhumanism and being able to transfer a human mind into a host body. So that would most definitely be uh, one of the which which would theory. I would think wouldn't be too far off because uh, as we saw, Ford basically transferred Arnold's consciousness into Bernard by creating Bernard. But, you know, like, through just the memory of him and the idea of him. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's not technically Arnold's own memories being transferred or consciousness being transferred, but it is 
the idea of Arnold. Yeah, that that's that was the one part I felt a little weird was that it that Bernard was created in the image of Arnold, and I think the death of the son was a real thing that happened to Arnold, mm-hmm. but obviously not to Bernard. It's essentially kind of a situation of the uh, like the replicants from Blade Runner, where in order to give them personalities, they have to have these false memories implanted. They know that they're not their memories, but they have them just the same, so they feel real, even when they realize they're not. So, um, I think at this point, we still haven't seen an actual consciousness being transferred, only uh, certain, I would say, thought patterns. Um, because the, the, the mind of Arnold, the way it worked, parts of it were transferred over. That's why... Uh, Forge said that, like, you know, you've made some innovations as Bernard that impress even me, you know, and, and I've used them. But it was still not the same as being Arnold as the whole person, if that makes any sense. It was just like a part of him. I think the next step that Ford was working on is how to get the entire consciousness into a completely different body rather than just maybe like a thought pattern or a memory. Yeah, I would agree. I think that would definitely be the next logical step. So, which you know, I wanted to bring this up in previous uh podcasts when we were when we were talking about this particular episode, uh, or at least the episode when Bernard is revealed to be a host. Who what do you think the scene when Bernard is talking to his ex-wife uh over video chat and he you know they're basically still having a a fight or you know a disagreement over their son's death who do you think that was do you think that's was that like a false memory do you think that was uh, another host just in another room somewhere that's programmed just to talk to bernard or do you think that was like an actress that they paid to have a conversation with this time huh i think that was for it the whole time oh so like they just it was just a, a video mask over ford yeah basically because again thanks to reddit if you see the a freeze frame you can actually see where the video kind of skips or gets pixelated and you see ford is actually on the other side of the screen oh. so it's either it's either a case of a video mask like you're saying or it's one of those cases where bernard is seeing uh what he wants to see and is like only for like a brief second does he see the truth. Wow! So there was a clue way back then if you were happen to freeze frame the picture. Yeah, that the, they make it really uh, freeze frame friendly. If you want to go dig around, look at charts and graphs and little like glitches in the screen like that. So you know what this brings up an interesting subject I think because as we've watched this show this season and talked about it i would say extensively on this podcast uh we've also maybe we've also uh obviously talked about other people's theories so the whole theory of the man in black and william being the same person uh probably popped up what around episode two episode three uh yeah and as we kept watching you and i particularly we you know we kept an eye out for that and how that strengthens that theory strengthens as the show, the show went on. And you can see online, uh, more and more articles were popping up saying, what if the two people are the same person kind of thing. Now, 
for us, I think when they finally had that big reveal, uh, I, which I thought the the big reveal of it happening was in episode nine, but is obviously even more of a big reveal in episode 10 when he literally says he's the same person. Uh, for someone like us, it wasn't that big of a reveal because we had been, we had been tracking that story throughout this whole season, but for other people, like, what do you think the percentage of, of people that are watching it knew and the people that, and the percentage of people who didn't know? Um, that's a good question, actually, because I don't know, like, I, I know how I watch these kind of shows. I scrutinize every little thing and I read little, you know, theories and follow things like this on Reddit. For someone that's more of a casual viewer, I would imagine they would be kind of a mindfuck. Yeah, because I, I, I did when I, when, uh, like, I'm, I'm like you. I also scrutinize and, and try and think about the mystery and what, what's going on, stuff like that when I watch shows like this. But, uh, talking to a person at work. When episode nine came out and they, they showed the picture that is the original picture that woke up Mr. Abernathy. Like I said something to that person. They were like, what are you talking about? Like they had no clue of William and the, the man in black being the same person. Like it, it, it hadn't even come across their, their, their mind. And, and to me at this point is, is very much, well, how could you not see it? Like we've been talking about this for the whole season, but I, I have to realize that you and I have been talking about this the whole season, <laughs> not the rest of the world, the rest of the viewing public. Yeah. And, and I'm completely antisocial and don't talk to anyone outside of this podcast about this show. So <laughs> I've kind of been in a little bubble here. So. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, that's kind of interesting that uh, they didn't even see those clues there, even though, yeah, sure enough. For, I guess it's it's a show that's meant for different types of viewing experiences. If you want to scrutinize and look at every little detail, you can kind of feel rewarded. And even if you don't do that, when it's revealed in due time like it's supposed to, then you can be pleasantly surprised by that kind of thing. So I guess, I guess the follow-up to my question is... Do you do you feel like maybe we were cheated out of something? Um, not necessarily because it wasn't in, it's specifically spoiled. I mean, in a way, we were kind of chasing the maze too. You know, we saw clues, we saw directions, we kind of went there, and we, I mean, ultimately just kind of ended up in the same place as everybody else. But I feel like our journey there was a little bit different than the one that someone else would take. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we we got to see footage ahead of time or anything like that, that, or we talked to a creator of the show that spilled the reveal to us, but we kind of put it together ourselves or we put it together with the help of Reddit or whoever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, cause I, I, I guess, I guess the, the best equivalent is like if I'm watching movie trailers and the movie trailer, I feel gives away something that should have been a big reveal in the movie. I get kind of pissed. And that's you know one of the reasons why I kind of stop watching movie trailers once they get towards a certain amount of uh, time out from the movie premiere. But oh, like John Connor's a Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Well, that one was in the very first one, so that was just bad on them. But yes, yes, exactly. So is this the same for me? No, because you're right. This is me putting things together just from what I've seen in the actual show, uh, and the fact that it comes true in episode 10 is just better like hey yeah it's cool we were able to figure things out or you know follow the clues that the writer and the the directors of the shows uh wanted us to find 
Yeah, I mean, a good example of that is also the fact that um, Arnold's full name was Arnold Weber, which I wouldn't have figured out because I didn't pay that much attention to that one scene where you see the the name on the door. Right. But somebody else um, from like way back in episode four, I think, when they show Bernard's full name was Bernard Lowe, they're like, hey... What if he's Arnold? If we, you know, reverse engineer his name into an anagram, we have these letters left over, and they can spell out Weber, which is a so good surname. If... Yeah, which turns out to be exactly right. Yeah, somebody, somebody got it, guessed it, um, way back in like episode four, just based on anecdotal evidence and speculation. Which, turned out to be right. <laughs> which is, you know, the same as that story, which I never saw the the actual proof of it but i've heard the story so maybe now it's urban legend but the the i believe it's a redditor that came up with the whole storyline of hodor and hold the door way back in season one or season two or something like that oh yeah yeah there was something like that you're right um there was an article that explained exactly that it wasn't even just that it happens on reddit all the time somebody pro like correctly guessed the uh ending to breaking bad how it was all gonna go down um <laughs> almost to the point where it was like come on this guy had to have like read a like a script leak or something and vince gilligan was like uh no at the time that this post was written we hadn't even had a script yet for that final <laughs> episode so this guy got it right Did, uh, have, have you ever watched the show uh it just came out this season called The Good Place. It has Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. I have not seen it, no. Okay, so the very first episode, when he's explaining that it's not really heaven and it's not really hell, but we, you can call it The Good Place and you can call it The Bad Place. Uh, and she, she, Kristen Bell's character asks, you know, well, you know, who got it right? And he says, well, each religion kind of gets it a little bit right. You know, there's a little bit from this, there's a little bit from this, and a little bit from that. And then there's a picture of a guy who just looks like a regular college student, but you can obviously see that he's stoned in the picture. And he says, but the person who got it the, the closest is, and I don't remember the character's name, but just say uh, Ronnie. Uh, he was a college student at USC, and he was extremely high, and he got it just about 98% right one night when he was really high. And that's, you know, what <laughs> I you know what I think about when you, you say things like uh, a guy just got most of the finale to breaking bad correct <laughs> it's like this one guy just kind of put it all together <laughs> yeah uh, the, that also happened with how i met your mother now that i think about it too um like i want to say uh how, how long did that run it was like nine or ten seasons i think it was ten seasons so yeah i think somewhere around the seventh season was when somebody on reddit uh gave their theory um, there's actually a really cool uh, subreddit called Fan Theories. Uh -huh. uh, I posted there a couple times. If you remember my theory on what causes the zombie outbreak on uh, Walking, Walking Dead. Dead being tied to uh, both Breaking Bad and the X-Files and then to the much larger um, dream universe of St. Elsewhere. Yes, I remember. Uh, yeah, so on that same subreddit, uh, I think on the seventh during the seventh season of how i met your mother somebody said hey I, I have a theory i think all of this the reason why we're hearing it in flashback form as uh older ted is you know explaining to his kids how he met their mother 
it's not the story of how he met their mother. Like, that's not the point. The point is he's trying to ex- explain to them, uh, A, that their mother, you know, at, at that point in time, their mother's already dead. And B, that um, his true love was actually Robin all along. And that, yeah, they, their life. And, well, that's that's pretty impressive. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and the only reason why I knew about it was because somebody actually went back dug through the archive of you know posts because i mean by, by that point it was like a three-year-old post so i don't know how long he had to do some searching for it but he pulled it out and it says hey check this out this guy actually predicted the ending like spot on like it was all in in flashback and basically the dad trying to justify to the kids that he wanted to bone their aunt because their mom was dead. <laughs> so uh, subreddit our fan theories is, is the, 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 the subreddit title. Yes. I'm going to yes. definitely have to go there. Cause I always have fan theories that I want the other people to hear. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. It's, it's good for discussion. Most of the time people are cool. Um, but if yours happens to kind of suck, they'll tell you to go to shitty fan theories instead and post there. <laughs> well, I'll probably end up there a lot too. Then. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there's some real, there's some gems in there. Trust me. Cool. Uh, I, was there really anything else that you wanted to cover in this episode? I think we, we hit all the points. Uh, Samurai world. Well, we said that earlier, but yes, that was pretty awesome. When the uh, Hector and armistice and uh, Maeve and Felix are, are making their way out, of Westworld and what was it was was it Felix or was it Sylvester that said something about it's a long story when you finally see Samurai World oh yeah Felix is the only one with them at this point Sylvester stays behind but yeah uh, they go into this one like they cross basically this big chasm of a hallway and uh, go into another room that has like an SW logo instead (laughs) of a WW logo on the door did you have any? And, did you have any theories when you saw SW at first, like before they showed Samurai World? Honestly, my mind just thought, "Huh, I wonder if that's Southwest. Like, it's more like Mexico type <laughs> or something." I was still in the West theme, I guess. I was yeah, like, "Well, huh. you know, that's just that's 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 where we live, or at least that's where you used to live. <laughs> you know, we lived in yeah. the Southwest, so we see SW together just kind of means Southwest. So, because that's exactly what I thought too." <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this must be like the, or maybe it's the southwestern portion of the of Westworld, you know, just like a, you know, if there's a north, south, east, and west, basically. But yeah, so as soon as they walk in, you see some samurai armor, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, holy shit, they have fucking hosts pretending to fight with swords and armor and all that shit, and Maeve's like, what is this? And Felix is like, it's complicated. And I'm like, what? <laughs> No, you you uncomplicated right now, man. You tell me what the hell this is. So the the idea that there is another theme park uh, there, but we have yet to see any of it, and they didn't decide to go with any of the two theme parks that we've seen in the movie uh, that predates this, is interesting. They didn't go with Roman world. They didn't go with medieval world. They went with samurai world. And I also have to say it's with as much as – I wonder, do you do you think that each um, world has its own staff, I guess, is the best way to... Like, it has its own Teresa, it has its own Ford? I would imagine, because, I mean, Ford 
seemed awfully involved with Westworld, but what 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 would he really know about samurai stuff? Could he really <laughs> divert his attention that much between multiple narratives? I mean, it looked like he was spending all of his time setting up the finale of this one of, right. of Westworld, which also makes me think that. I mean, obviously Westworld was their first one, or maybe it was their first one. And like as it became more popular and more things happened, they they created other smaller worlds to for people to go do. And that's the only reason why Ford doesn't spend his time there. He leaves it to like lesser people like Let Lee to come up with narratives for that those worlds and stuff like that. And maybe we'll see other worlds uh that are uh, like maybe there's an outback world or something, <laughs> but like oh, uh, the world full of bogans. Uh, I don't know. I, do you think that that uh, William went to those other worlds too, or does he always just go to Westworld? Well, see, that's a good question. What if Samurai World hasn't actually come out yet and it was like in, still in beta or something? That that could Maybe. definitely be true. Yeah, because... Um, Maybe that was what the, you know, uh, Charlotte and the, the rest of the board was w- ready to do. They were ready to move on to other worlds, to other theme parks. Change it up a little bit. Yeah. I I guess so. I mean, there's definitely plenty of timelines in human history that could make possibly good worlds i mean um roman world and medieval world already being included in the movie there's definitely room for for some more cool stuff i'd be i think it'd be kind of fun if they had like uh i don't even know what you'd call it millennial world where it was basically the the like our time frame of now so, and you would wonder, well, like, what's the point? That's just like normal life. And I would say, well, it would be like playing real life Grand Theft Auto. Ooh, that's that's not bad. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could you could choose to have like an office job if you wanted to, and then go postal, or be like a drug dealer and or a high speed chase, you know, Ooh. whatever driver. Ooh, I think be that like... I think that would be working out some people's like real life like scenario issues <laughs> that they'd want, like beating up your boss or. You know, uh, chasing down that guy that cut you off in traffic, kind of thing. Yeah, taking out some aggression, or uh, you got an ex that uh, you have some particular issues you need to work out on. And <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of Samurai World, though, and not to just change subjects, but um, did you stay for the after credit scene? Yes, I did. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, so as they're making their way through Samurai World, um, Armistice uh, and Hector have now picked up automatic weapons from some of the other crew that were trying to stop them. And uh, as they're trying to make their getaway, uh, the security starts locking down the doors, and Armistice's right arm gets caught in one of the doors. Um, She's still able to kill off a few people and kind of help, you know clear their escape but that's the last you see of her during the show itself her arm is just kind of stuck there uh within the samurai world uh region uh yeah so then after the show the credits roll and you pretty much think it's done and honestly i don't even know why i stuck around for it but i did and boy am i glad i did well i i had to go back and watch it a second time or watch 
or I had to go back to it on my recording basically because I heard that there was an after credit scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had no idea there was one. I I usually just stay for the credits because I'm too lazy to get up and change it or anything. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, uh, we were pleasantly rewarded with an after credit sequence, and it shows Armistice uh, slicing her arm off at the elbow. Very, very much 127 hours of her. Yeah, and uh, I mean, at this point, you can kind of tell that she probably had her pain receptors diminished because she does it pretty effortlessly. I mean, she got blood splattered on her face, and she even smiles at it. Yeah, and then you see some other, like I think some other security guards show up, and she just kind of starts walking towards them with her knife. So it's yeah, so it looks like she's gonna take care of business, and I hope what this is implying is that she comes back next season, uh, possibly missing an arm or maybe having a new one grafted on from like a dead body. Ooh, she has a samurai arm. arm. Yeah, samurai <laughs> arm. So she's gonna have all that skill, like all that muscle memory, will be built in. Yeah, you know what'd be cool is like she kind of like she kind of like haunts the 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 facility. I guess she kind of like hides in the shadows and the the underbelly of the facility and takes out humans every once in a while, kind of thing. <laughs> the legend of Armistice. Now going back a little bit to Armistice and how nice she looks when she's in the buff. Um, the fact that she has that tattoo, that the red coloring and the, the pattern of it, which is like very jagged kind of edges, uh-huh. uh, during the scene where it, it's, uh, <laughs> you have this one tech that's like, the armistice, you know, come to, and she starts attacking and killing that other technician. Uh, because of, because of her pale skin, kind of pale blonde hair and how straight it is. And the red markings of the tattoo on her body, she kind of looks like one of the Titans from Attack on Titan. Oh, really? Like, yeah, one of the female ones. Um, now, in the show, the or in the, in the Attack on Titan, they're actually skinless, so you're actually seeing just like their raw musculature. Right. But because the tattoo was red and because of the way it was positioned around her body, it kind of resembled that a little bit to me. It does kind of resemble musculature. When I, That's what I thought about when I first saw it. And, but I, and I've never seen Attack on Titan, so I, I, I'll take your word for that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, basically it looked like uh, a bunch of nightmare fuel. But <laughs> You know, yeah, uh, that, speaking that... about the tattoo, though, and just because you brought it up right now, uh, we heard earlier in the season that the reason she has the tattoo is because it, uh, she filled in each part of the snake once she killed a, a, per, a member of a party that you know screwed her over, you know did, did, did terrible things to her in her past, and the head of the snake was saved for Wyatt. Now we know that Dolores is Wyatt. If they meet up in season two, is there going to be conflict there, or is the idea that the two of them know that none of that really happened? That's a good question. Um, I mean, given the fact that they're memories are all fabricated but they are based on truth um was armistice part history... of the, part of those those um uh hosts that were there at that small town in the beginning oh yeah armistice was definitely one of those okay yeah she was there she was the one that she's when she's while she's dancing with one of the other hosts she starts to kind of wander off and the tech has to kind of like lure her back and Oh, um, like make them dance again. Yeah, her and I think Angela was the name of the other host, the one that was 
originally also uh, helping William like select his clothing and his his gear. Right. Yeah, I believe her name was Angela. I finally had to look it up. Okay. I couldn't remember what it was for so much. Uh, yeah, so those two were part of that original, um, like, uh, whatever that town's name was, that, that Wyatt Massacre. Right. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, I think that's uh, all, everything I wanted to cover. So, uh, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Because we're going to trying to wrap it up, basically. Uh, yeah, basically, that's pretty much it. We're... We left it wide open where, I mean, the park is officially in turmoil and the board of supervisors looks like they're pretty much exterminated. And Ed Harris, as the man in black, had a huge shit-eating grin when he got shot because I guess that's what he wanted all along. (laughs) Uh, A sense of realism. Right. And uh, so, yeah, now you have a whole vault full of scent. Well, we're led to assume that the all of the uh, reawakened hosts that were in the, the meat locker are now conscious. Um, it could be that they're just following orders still, some kind of hive mind maybe. But yeah, so the next season, I can only imagine how we're going to go from here. I mean, are we going to... the? Oh yeah, and I also wanted to mention, it looked like the security uh, office lost power and they were locked into their security room much like in the movie. Much like in the movie, yeah. So that, uh, yeah, we'll have to see if that plays out that same way. Uh, I do believe that I saw that season two will, won't be back until 2018. Yeah, I saw something like that too, which is really kind of a bummer. Yeah, very much so. So uh, we have a lot of time uh, until that comes back. We still have a lot of time until the next season of Game of Thrones come back. So I think we agreed that the next show that we were going to talk about was Black Mirror. So we're going right. to we're going to do uh an episode a week starting from the beginning uh season 1 and uh we'll be talking about that. Listeners, if you have another show that you know that's coming up that uh you want us to do, I don't know if Stranger Things season 2 will be out anytime soon, but uh I know they're working on it now. So uh tell us, tell us what it is you want us to do that's coming up that fits into the geek genre. Uh, you can get a hold of me on Twitter at agent underscore of the underscore bat. You can get a hold of John on Twitter at I am at Magic Bollocks, and you can get uh, Geek Elite Radio at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. And then check out our Facebook page to be part of our conversation and be a part of the community. And then go over to our website geekeliteradio.com uh, to to uh, check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. Uh, but until then, this has been the Geeks Watch on Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.